You're listening to the Leading Healthy Creative Teams podcast with Matt Curtis. This is the podcast that helps you take your creative team from wherever you are today to healthy and effective. Hey friends, thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. My name is Matt Curtis. I'm your host. We are continuing in our series of tools in the mindset of this is part of the systems that need to be built for your team. So we're really thinking through this lens of this is the beginning of the process of restoration of moving towards healing for your team. There are challenges, there are issues, there are things that aren't working right, but what do we do about it tangibly? And so last week we talked about our first tool in this system. This is the Eisenhower box. The design of this tool is to help navigate what's important and what's not important. This week, we're going to move to something that's a little bit more of an analysis tool. This is my personal, this is my personal favorite of all of the tools that we'll cover in this systems kind of oriented stretch of the podcast. It's called the pest analysis. So as is true with all of these tools, you can access them at learn.lunchtimeheroes.co and you can scroll down to the bottom under systems. All of the educational content is structured based on the four cores. You can scroll down to systems and you can get the bundle. It's free and it will have templates for you, one, to follow along during this episode. So if you're listening, go check that out because this will be a helpful visual for you. But then two, it also provides you on the first page a blank template for you to take and apply and use this in the context with the team that you're leading. The pest analysis is something that I would recommend you do. I, I think if you do it every year, you're probably going to be in decent shape. The last couple years have been changing so quickly that I would have shifted to uh, maybe every six months and even potentially quarterly, uh, in, in part uh, with a lot of the legislation changes that were happening around COVID, the restrictions, those types of things, this became a really effective tool to help anticipate what things were coming and get them on paper and then help us build a response. So this is really designed to be a little bit more of a predictive tool. And and what I mean by that is the things that you're writing down on this document, these are things that you are anticipating coming and then you're going to build your response because of those things. And so you'll you'll kind of see that when we get into the example. Uh, the example I think is actually particularly interesting. But so the the four core the four quadrants of this, really they're just columns, but you have a political column, you have an economic column, you have a social column, and you have a technological column. So political really is encapsulated by what are the things politically that are happening that may have an impact on your organization. So the the things, you know, you'll see these in the in the example, but you know, an election's coming up or, you know, somebody's mad at somebody and like it impacts us somehow or like the mayor attends our church and people are mad at him. Like those are the kinds of things that we'll elevate. What are the political things um, that are going on nationally, regionally, locally? Uh, and then it can even be new legislation that's coming out, um, you know, a new restriction or a new opportunity, those types of things. Uh, the next one is economic. What are the things that are coming down the road that we anticipate economically? Are there any challenges that we see? Um, coming from the state of California, I've moved since to Pennsylvania, but when I was living in California, one of the real things that, <laughs> I mean, it was a, it felt like a day-by-day change the, the, the rise of minimum wage. What, what are the implications economically for us as a church 
hiring people. There's a lot because the wages kept changing. What about the cost of goods? What about um, you know trends in your in your region in terms of you know economic impact? So those are some of the things that you can you can begin identifying and then building a a response to those things that you're anticipating seeing. Social. Are there any social undertones or social conversations that are happening culturally that may put your church in an advantage or disadvantage? What are some of the things that are going on, you know, in the communities around you? And how do you respond to that? And then the last one is technological. What are some of the things that are happening in technology that could be uh, an adjustment for you as an organization in terms of the way you do what you do, in terms of the way that your congregation experiences things and interacts with content, their common expectation, those types of things. So those are the four columns that you're going to be thinking through. I, it, it's a difficult tool for me abstractly. And so that's part of why with all of these tools, you know, when I first kind of began learning what some of these things were, I really struggled with the abstract nature of here's a grid, fill it out. I'm like, but with what? And so I have an example in this document. Before we get to the example and before we start talking through it, I just want to say I have used the pest analysis naturally in my life. This is how my brain works. I look and I see something coming down the road and I say, how do we build a plan to address it or to anticipate it? And so in my mind right now, the day I'm recording this, I can tell you of four major issues that I need to deal with in my life that are coming down the road but are not yet here. And so what I'm doing today is I am anticipating those things coming. And then I'm building a plan that says, these are some of the things that I see coming down the road. What do I need to do to prepare well for them? And so that's really what this is about. It's about seeing something and then preparing yourself or your church or a plan or a strategy. So a lot of creatives actually tend to think this way. And so when I say that I, I use this tool um, almost like instinctively, I didn't even know what a pest analysis was for the vast majority of my career. And I have never formally done one in the context of my workplace. As I was developing and building this kind of set of tools, really building is, it's really more um, curating. So these are all tools that exist. You know, these are all tools that, you know, businesses use. Eisenhower Box discovered that because I had people on my team that needed help with it. Looked for tools, eventually found that as a resource. Fantastic. Love it. Then as I was growing as a leader, I had a fantastic boss who was really exposing me to a lot of these different tools. And so some of the ones that, you know, come to mind, SWOT analysis, it's a real common one. Uh, and we'll talk about it. And so, you know, in that process, I began wondering, well, are there other tools out there? And of course, there's a billion tools for everything. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to synthesize down. These are the tools that I have found to be uniquely helpful for creatives. So as you're leading a creative team, these are the ones that I have found to be the most effective for leading creative teams. And as, as someone pursuing leading a team toward health, your, your goal is to leverage the tools that help you in, in kind of the, that pursuit of health. And so this is, you know, this is how that fits. What I discovered though, as I began studying what is a pest analysis and how does it work, it is actually what I do. It is what creatives do as a whole. And so this, this just, 
it just fits so nicely into the the way that the team thinks. And so if your team struggles in maybe in the area of imagination in particular, this might be a challenging exercise because dreaming is a little piece of seeing the future. And so, you know, understand that there may be some hiccups in that regard, but a lot of this stuff isn't rocket science. It, it really isn't. It's observing, it's looking around, paying attention to what's going on in culture at, at some level. And yeah, then you, then you start filling it in and then you start building a response and kind of deciding, is this something that we want to respond to or not? So it will feel like a normal tool to a lot of people. The value here is that you write it down. And, and part of why I say that is because the example that we're going to walk through was actually written in August of 2019. So, I mean, we're talking three years old, pre-COVID. These are some of the things that I was seeing as I filled this out as an example for a, a podcast I did several years ago. <laughs> and so rather than redo it for today, I wanted to leave it because this, I think, is a really, really good example of how powerful this tool is. So let's start with political. So again, learn.lunchtimeheroes.co, pause the podcast, go download it, and follow along with me because this will really help you see visually what it is that this looks like. So I've included a couple prompts uh, to, to basically help the dialogue begin. And, and this is what they are. Is there anything going on politically that can impact the organization? And then another prompt are there any political conversations happening now that can impact the mission of the church? So I want to think through two lanes here. The first lane is specific to your organization. Is there anything going on politically that can impact your organization, your church, your nonprofit, your business, whatever, wherever you live on that spectrum? And then next, I want to look at the mission of your church. What is the specific objective that you're trying to accomplish? So some examples. This was again in 2019. The upcoming elections in 2020, I, I knew that those were going to be a major inflection point nationally. And they were. So that's what's interesting is, oh, yeah, that was. That was a thing. Uh, state legislation changing or challenging what churches can be or what they can do. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. So we were experiencing some things in California at that time where lawmakers were starting to uh, maybe erode a little bit of what churches were able to do, what they were allowed to be, some new restrictions that made things a little bit more complex. What's fascinating is that this was pre-COVID. And so everybody freaked out at COVID. They're like, oh, I can't believe it. All these people, they're, they're trying to take over. And, and really what was happening was a continuation of what was already in motion. And so this, this wasn't new. This wasn't just a COVID thing. But this was a movement that I was seeing through legislation in the state that I was in that was already beginning to ask some of those questions. And so I saw those as a potential challenge or impact in this, in this analysis. And then the last one was new labor laws. That impacted uh, the church in particular because everything costs more now. And then in increasingly, other things cost more now. And so... That meant that if we have a, you know, a, a senior director or a pastor on the staff, that means that if their salary doesn't change, then they've taken a, a demotion or a, you know, a pay cut because other things have you know, risen up around them. So those were some of the political challenges that I saw in that, 
in that 2019, you know, that August of 2019. And so if I think through the lens of today, there's a new realm of political stuff that I see as, as problematic or as potential threats or as really, I just kind of look at these as just issues to be aware of. And then it can determine, all right, how do we respond to that? So the next category here, economic, the, the questions are the same. I've just switched out the words, you know, economic, political, et cetera. But is there anything going on economically that can impact the organization? Are there any economic needs or challenges that can impact the mission of the church? And so this is where you begin, you know, identifying the economic impl implications. So on this example, we had an upcoming building campaign. Okay, so that, that's going to impact things because that means that there's the potential that giving is, is stretched or spread. So it's some people reallocating their gifts from the general fund to now the building campaign fund. That's a, a real potential that our, our normal budget, our general operating budget takes a hit. Um, it also means that events that cost a lot of money might feel a little bit more difficult for people to attend. Do I go to the men's retreat that costs me 500 bucks or do I send my kid to camp that costs 500 bucks? Or do I give to the campaign? I, I can't do both. Or maybe I won't do both, you know, whatever, wherever that lands. But that's a financial, that's an economic impact that happens to your organization. Uh, next, 5% increase in unemployment locally. So the region that we were in was dealing with unemployment. And we were looking at the numbers and we saw, man, there's a lot more people that were losing their jobs. Okay, well, now ask yourself the question, what if 5% of your congregation loses their job. You're going to need to account for the fact that giving may be down just pragmatically. It's not a faith issue. You know, this isn't a bunch of people all of a sudden being hard-hearted. This is literally 5% of your congregation doesn't have an income anymore. So, I mean, they're still tithing, just zero, you know, 10% is zero. <laughs> so th that that's a, a thing to look out for. A tax rate increase. That's a, a real thing. Uh, I listened back to the, to the episode a couple years ago and uh, my comment was, you know, living in California, it feels like every week we're getting a new tax, you know, you're going to pay more for goods. That's just real. So is everybody in your congregation. And this one's particularly unique. There was a tariff. Uh, so it says tariff increase on all goods made in China. We needed to buy a new, uh, I think we were buying a, it was either a sound, a soundboard or a lighting console. I forget which one it was. The problem is all of the equipment, all the electronics were coming from China. And so now all of a sudden we're not paying you know, a dollar twenty-five on a dollar item. We're we're looking at this gargantuan bill simply because of the increase of the tariff. the The cost of the board skyrocket because they're not cheap to start with, and so that's an economic problem. So what this did actually, what this did for us, fortunately, we saw that. And again, it wasn't in the formal framework of the pest analysis, but we saw that that was coming, and so we approached leadership and said, "Look, this is on our timeline." We need to take care of this, but there's also this thing coming too. Can we pull the trigger now? What we were going to do is we were going to stagger money between budget years. And so rather than waiting until the year turned over, we essentially borrowed from ourselves and then took the hit next year in the budget. But that positioned us to be able to act quickly and then save a huge amount of money for the church because we saw it coming. So that's the economic side. Today, inflation is here. It already kind of showed up. A recession is coming. That seems to be the consensus across all of the people that I've heard. A recession is coming. It's a matter of when. Okay, so now is a perfect time to write that in this column 
and then to make intentional and strategic decisions as an organization. How do we prepare to, one, weather a recession? There's, there's a pragmatic side of this. How do you weather it? How do you survive it as a staff team, et cetera? But additionally, how do you help lead your congregation through it? How do you prepare to operate on less under the assumption that people are making less or, you know, whatever, there's financial crunch that's happening? And then what opportunity do you see to minister because of this? See, when times are good, we get frustrated because people aren't interested in the church. We think, oh, everybody's just so content with their entertainment. But then when times are bad, we freak out. (laughs) We go hide in a hole and we're scared. This is one of the most fruitful times to minister when things aren't going right. And so this to me is an incredible opportunity. We're heading into a recession. Man, shore things up now. Make sure that your team is operating in a healthy way. Make sure that you are are positioned to outreach effectively. It's a great opportunity. That's economic. Social. Is there anything going on socially that can impact your organization? Are there any social issues challenging the, the mission of the church that can impact the mission of the church? Some examples here. Cultural distrust of the church due to uncovered abuse and high-profile pri- high leadership collapse. Man, it's a bummer that I wrote this down in August of 2019. And it is as true today as it was then. And, and now what we have is we have an additional three years of that building and compiling. So it's just, it means worse than it was then. And it's just, yeah, that it's frustrating to me that that continues to be on the list. Maybe that needs to be one that you add just in perpetuity. Okay, so what do you do about it? What, what, how, do you, how does your church respond? That, that's really the point of the document. Identify it. Now build a, build a response to that. And I don't mean a PR statement. Some other examples, the media bringing attention to Trump and evangelicals. So this was at the very beginning. This is when the media started connecting the dots between Trump and evangelicals. I mean, just pause for a second. I don't really care where you are on the spectrum. Like, it doesn't matter. That's irrelevant to the conversation. But look and see where that has led to. So if your church was like a deeply connected evangelical pro-Trump church, there are real implications to that that we see today. And so that's what this document does. It reveals those things brewing. And so that's where, you know, maybe you're like, great, that's where we want to be. Okay, great. Then be there. But, but see it and know what you're getting yourself into and know the decision to be a part of that. The other examples here, a high concentration of drug use in your area. That was something that was true for us. And so we had to figure out what does that mean for us? I mean, does it mean to have a, you know, an, an Alcoholics Anonymous or like some sort of AA program or recovery program? Does it mean partnering with, you know, drug rehab places? Does it mean starting one in your area? Does it mean partnering with, you know, homeless shelters or prisons or like, what does that mean? Because you see it. That's a unique opportunity that your church has to be able to invest in the community that you're serving in. And then all the way back in 2019, church attendance is no longer a cultural assumption. Man, everybody's freaking out about COVID being the thing that shut the doors or, you know, that reduced our congregation. No, it didn't. I mean, it kind of did. It, it sped up what was already there. But for us to be be sitting around and blaming something for that, it's, it's, it's just patently false. That's not why exclusively why the, there are fewer people. Church attendance was declining already. 
It was, it's no longer a cultural assumption. So that means you have to change the way you approach the problem. By seeing it, by writing it down, you can have clarity on the fact that it exists. And then you can build a plan around it. And then the last one here, technological, some prompts. Is there anything going on in the technology space that can impact the organization? And then are there any movements in tech that can impact the mission of the church? Some examples from 2019, the proliferation of artificial intelligence. It makes 24-7 operation an expectation. So is your church operating 24-7? Now, since then, since even the recording of that, there's, there's been a general backlash against that. The expectation isn't that organizations are just like permanently on. And so that's good. I think it's healthy. But those are some of the things that were present at that day that we needed to make decisions about. So what's our stance going to be? Are we going to have office hours for our social media? I mean, you can. <laughs> just tell people that you're doing it. Set up an automated message to say, we are you know, paying attention to our DMs from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. That's it. Yeah, whatever. Build, build some structure to address it. The next one here, convenience has made people less willing to invest in the local church. Okay. Is that, is that true? I mean, the fact that you could pull a movie up on your anything and not have to go to a theater, not have to wait in line at a blockbuster, not have to you know spend your energy doing work. It's just coming to you. Are people expecting that church is the same way? If so... What is your response? For some, the response is to develop a very compelling online ministry. For others, it is to educate people on the value of in-person gathering. Great. You, it's, ultimately, it's leadership's responsibility to make that call, but make a call. <laughs> and then be, intel, be intentional about moving down that road. And then the last example here, families are struggling to adapt healthy practices because of the proliferation of distractions. Man, that is as true as ever. It's hard to manage all the distractions of life. There's too many things going on. It's too difficult for many who haven't been instructed or encouraged or you know, guided in the ways of how to navigate these things. So at that, in that, at that point of time, at that point in time, maybe the best answer was to have a series on how to balance these things or how to prioritize things. In terms of the technological today, online ministry, COVID, it really did give that a, a front and center you know, opportunity. So online ministry, our people don't want to come back because of online ministry. Okay, that's a different conversation. So what do you do about it? Do you, do you shut it down? I, I mean, if you're, if you're not on board with it, that's probably a reasonable option. Personally, I think the online ministry has a ton of potential. And I think if you frame it correctly, and you help people understand the theological perspective, I think it belongs in your ministry. But you need to be intentional about addressing it. That's the technological side. Is there, Are we going to reach a point where churches, you know, where online ministry is the equivalent of uh, having a website? I, I mean, I, I don't know. That's going to be an interesting trend to watch. That's one to write down today. So many churches have the weekend stream. For us to present ourselves well or to give give people a chance to assess who we are, we need to have that too. So what this document exists to be, the pest analysis as a whole, it exists to be a way for you to document what you see coming in the most important or influential quadrants of our society, and then write them down, identify them, call them out, and then sit around as a team. Maybe some of these float up to leadership, but a lot of these live at your team. Okay, with all of these things in mind, 
how do we as a creative team create content that either speaks to these things or addresses these problems or, or uh, communicates with an awareness of them? Social, one of the things I would say for today, mental health has become a much different conversation today than it was pre-COVID. It was such a taxing season for so many. It pushed so many people to a really hard point in their lives. The contention of many is that it just exposed what was there under the surface. Either way, mental health is a conversation now that's a lot more serious than it was in the past. So maybe it means that the content that you communicate doesn't have jokes about it or doesn't use terms that are, you know, diagnostic terms flippantly. I see that a lot. Churches will make comments and they'll kind of joke around about stuff. And when I see that, I think, man, somebody who's struggling with that is going to be disappointed, frustrated, hurt, etc. So those are the types of things that can be informed by exposing these ideas and sharing them with your team. If you decide to implement this, it works great as a conversation with everybody. What are the things that we see going on? But also, it works really well when you've prepared a little bit ahead of time. Encourage your team by saying, these are the four areas that we're looking for trends. Tell us trends that you see. Because really, that's what these are. These are trends. These are movements. Not like purple is the color for the year. But this is a movement that I'm seeing happen. And everybody's input's not going to be correct in the sense that some person will say, you know, oh, yeah, I heard that the NFL is going to add a game. Or I heard Major League Baseball is taking away the DH. Okay, cool. That That doesn't land on the chart. We're talking about very kind of big general movements. That's the kind of stuff that we're that we're looking for. And then we kind of assess, is this long-term or is this short-term? Is this a flash in the pan? Is this a thing that's going to be forgotten about soon? Or is this something that's going to continue to move the way that culture thinks? Thanks for listening to this episode of Leading Healthy Creative Teams. This podcast is just one of the ways Lunchtime Heroes helps build healthy creative teams in the church. Stay up to date on the latest by signing up for the Creative Bites email at lunchtimeheroes.co.